RadioInfluence.com. thing that I never thought in a million years would happen. happen. The champion, the challenger, here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. I am back with another interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. And I have got two interviews here on this episode of the podcast. You're going to hear from a man that is coming off a decision victory at UFC Orlando, Jonathan Pierce. As I spoke to JSP about his win there against Darren Elkins, now being five in a row for JSP in the UFC since dropping his promotional debut to Joe Lozon in 2019. So spoke to him about that matchup. Also spoke to him about a couple of things that he's put on Instagram over the past couple of weeks. And one of the, the more interesting things about this conversation is maybe a little bit of a surprising answer about how many times JSP wants to fight in 2023. Then you're going to hear the conversation that I had with the founder and CEO of Unified MMA, Sonny Serene. Of course, been listening to this podcast for some time. You've heard various Unified fighters here on this card. Of course, on last week's episode uh, of the podcast, had Ty Flores on. And so I talked to Sonny about what is to come this week for Unified MMA, as they are going to have two shows this week on Friday. They've got Unified MMA 48 in Toronto. That card is going to be headlined by the vacant super lightweight title. That's 165 pounds. Shane Campbell takes on Darren Smith. And then on Saturday, Unified MMA 49, that's in Edmonton. That's going to be headlined by Grant Park defending his light heavyweight title against Ty Flores. So talk to Sonny about what is going on with Unified MMA. Of course, these two events come up here on Friday and Saturday. This will be the second and third Unified events here in the month of December. So uh, that conversation come up here in a little bit. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, a great way to show your support for the podcast, rating, review. If you're listening to this on the podcasting platforms, if you're checking out any of the content, that I have over on YouTube, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, comment, share all that. That really does appreciate. I really do appreciate that. Now, one of the stories that myself and Daniel have been talking about on this podcast is the UFC betting scandal. We all know what that scandal is. And at the end of last week, I want to say it was on Friday, there was a report that came out that James Krause was selling his gym, Glory MMA and Fitness, to Joe Wooster. Uh, for those who are not familiar, Joe Wooster has been around this game for a long time. The first time I became familiar with Joe Wooster was him as a regional matchmaker. He is now a manager. He is an agent with Iridium Sports Agency, which that is an agency that does represent uh, a good amount uh, of the fires there training uh, at Glory MMA and Fitness. And so on Saturday, I saw this Facebook post from Trey Ogden, UFC fighter, and it caught my eye because if you've ever listened to the interviews I have had with Trey here on the podcast, which, by the way, James Krause has been his head coach, is he's talked about the affiliate glory gym that he has in Overland Park, Kansas. And he had a Facebook post that, well, it stuck out to me based on that report of the news uh, of James Krause uh, of allegedly selling his gym. And Trey wrote this on Facebook. He goes, quote, 
Effective immediately, we are now Marathon Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Expect the same great vibes, same great energy, same hidden dojo secret technique style. As I said before, leading these mats is my life's honor. Nothing will compromise the integrity of our mission community or the sacred space of the mats. We have our thriving martial arts community to build our new identity around. We are still the best there ever was, and the Mixed art Martial Arts Marathon continues. Signed, Trey Ogden, owner slash head coach, and it goes on to say, do not hesitate to message me with any questions, comments, or concerns. Of course, uh, myself and Daniel have been talking about this whole UFC betting scandal for, I mean, I mean, hello, over a month at this point. I think we're, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we are one of the, the few MMA podcast. I've been really been talking about this. I, you know, look, I mean, I, I think that there's probably some people when I say this, it rubs them the wrong way. But I think until the UFC put that statement out over a week ago, that this was a story that some people were just really not talking about. But when I saw this, it just really stuck out to me. And, you know, look, it's, it's an ever developing story. And, and as I've said on this podcast many times, I'm not making any assumptions at all. I'm just trying to rely on the facts that we know at this time. And, and look, I don't need to go down the facts. I mean, if you follow the story, you know all the facts of the story. But, you know, this was just kind of another layer to that story. I did find the Scott Coker um, comment on Friday night following the Bellator card. Very interesting where he said, you know, look, it, it first comes down to, you know, and, and just paraphrasing what Scott said, but, you know, paraphrasing where he basically says, hey, you know, first off, that's up to a commission to see whether they license, uh, you know, if they would license James Krause. And then he says, if they were, then I would go to my legal department and see what they want to do. I mean, this is, a, you know, we're, we're going to see how this thing plays out. And then I thought Mike Baum did a, a, a great job asking the question to Dana White on Saturday night following UFC 282. And Dana, Dana did what Dana does. Dana, you know, he is, Dana knows how to work the media. Let me just, I would put it like that. And Dana knows in the ways to answer a question that maybe he doesn't really want to get a bunch of questions about. And that's the way I took it. I would say this, and maybe I'm wrong here. I could certainly be wrong, but I think Dana White knows a lot more about this situation that he's leading on. Now, it could very well could be a very situation where he's being told you can't talk about this in a public forum until this investigation is clear. I would be shocked if Dana White is not very aware of what is going on. But, you know, he one thing that Dana did said is absolutely right. And this thing that I've heard is when you're talking about the allegations that or the, this investigation, we're talking about fe- if charges come down from this, no matter who's involved, we're talking about federal charges. This isn't going to be, you know, uh, just a charge from, you know, the state of Nevada. This would be a federal charge. And, you know, Dan, I think what Dana's white line was they're going to effing federal prison. I, I think that it was something along those lines. But ju- just seeing kind of this and, and, you know, as this story kind of twists and turns and, and now you're kind of seeing, you know, the glory of main fitness team is, I mean, look, it's, it's going through a brand rechange and you know, this week will be very interesting because this really becomes the first week where you truly have a James Krause fighter who is fighting. And that is Julian Marquez. It is going to be interesting if Julian Marquez is made available to the media this week. 
I mentioned this. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the pod here, or maybe I mentioned over, over on fight HQ, but I said, I thought about asking James Crow, or excuse me, I thought about asking Julian Marquez's management team. He is represented by Iridium Sports Management. I thought about asking him if I could get Julian on the show. I basically, you know what? Let me just let me just hold off on that at this point because I mean th- this is a thing. If you're going to interview Julian Marquez, I mean look part. Of the, I mean it's it's a massive part of the story. Like hey man, you are preparing for this fight. You've talked about how much you know James means to you. All of a sudden, you had to go, you know, he's he's stationed up to, in Las Vegas now, back in Las Vegas, where he was you know, He was at Glory, then he went to Vegas. He was in Vegas for a while, then he went back to Glory. And, and part of that, I remember there was a video that came out where basically it was Julian Marquez. I was like, hey, I needed I needed the, the James Krause structure back in my life. And James said, he goes, you know, it wasn't, I, I remember, man, this was probably a video I probably saw a year or so ago, maybe, maybe longer, where James said, like, he had to have a sit down with Julian Marquez and say, hey, are you going to put in the work? If you're going to put in the work, I'm here for you. And, and of course, they ended up working together. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. But I just thought that post from, from Trey Ogden was very interesting. And, uh, you know, it's like my, my guy Daniel says, man, like, you know, something's going to happen every day. We just never know when that shoe's going to drop. And, you know, it, this is just one of those stories that, I really don't, I don't feel like this is a story that's going to prolong. Like, I don't think this is going to be a story that we're sitting here three months from now and still wondering, well, what is this investigation going to unfold? I truly believe, I think we know an answer. If not by the end of this month, I think we know, we know kind of pretty much all the facts of this case by the end of January. It would really surprise me if this thing goes forward, but I, you know, the longer, I will say this also, I think the longer this goes on and the longer that you really don't hear from the parties, that kind of makes me wonder what's really going on behind the scenes. But like I said, like, you know, Dana does a great job of knowing how to shut down the media. He he knows how to play that room. And the way that he responded to Mike Baum, to me, was a way for him to say, okay, guys, no one else is going to answer these questions. I thought Mike Baum had some great questions but Dana shot down. I mean, let's just, let's just call it what it is. But uh, we'll we'll see how that story does develop. Uh, you know, also I should should note. Uh, obviously, we had some uh, interesting or uh, yeah, I don't know if interesting is the right word. I guess questionable is the right word of scorecards from this past weekend, most notably with Douglas Crosby. How the hell he scored Sabatello Stotts fifty to forty five. For Danny Sabatello, I have no idea. Now, look if you if you've listened to my show, you know I I I you know I've I've said this. Danny Sabatello is to me one of my favorite interviews in this game today because one of the things I feel like I mean like look you, you know Danny is a guy that he's going to go in, in, in self-promotion mode. I understand that, but I, sometimes I feel like I have this I have this knack to be able to get him a little bit out of that self-promotion mode. But I don't know how anyone. Of course, I don't know if there's anyone outside of Douglas Crosby and Danny Sabatello's immediate family that think he won that that fight 50 to 45. I thought it was 48 to 47 for Rafael Stotts. I felt the fight did come down to a third round. So I will tell you that uh, how I so I was traveling on Friday and I landed in San Jose 
basically right as the main event was about to start. So I got I got a chance to watch the entire main event. And look, nothing really shocked me with what Danny Sabatello went out there and did. And I thought Josh Thompson on the broadcast offered up great analysis. Like, if this was a wrestling match, Danny Sabatello is your winner. But this is not a wrestling match. This is a mixed martial arts match, and you got to know the criteria. Now, I mean, the Crosby scorecard. I mean, look, it's it's an awful scorecard. And you know, look, we we can have a a discussion on Douglas Crosby as a as a judge. That that can be certainly be a conversation. But like to me, when I look at the other two scorecards in this matchup. Eric Cologne and Brian Miner, they had the exact same scorecard, and I agree with their scorecard. They gave Sabatello the first round and the fourth round, and then they gave Stotts two, three, and five. That's how I had it. I think, and I think for a lot of people, it was 47-47, or uh, uh, two rounds of two rounds going into that fifth and final round. But if you're Danny Sabatello, you go back and you watch that fight, and, and I think it just it comes down to is, you know, I don't think you can have a lot of ton of you know, arguments to say, oh, I got robbed in that one. Um, I, I did see, uh, I was watching a video Jedi Goodman posted earlier today. It was from uh, Ariel's show where uh, apparently, I guess this is the first time since MMA Decisions has been uh, keeping uh, tabs on MMA judging, where a split decisions had the uh, one scorecard be 50 to 45 and that fighter lose the matchup, which is kind of a, a crazy stat there. Um, you know, so now we're going to get stats and patchy mix. Oh my goodness. I will tell you this, man did, did not see that one coming. I did not see patchy mix going out there and doing what he did straight up. I did not. And this fight card had a couple of those. I mean, not just patchy. It, it's not that, it's not surprising that Patchy Mix won the fight. To me, it's the way he won the fight. And man, and whenever the betting odds come out for him and Rafael Stotts, it would not surprise me if Patchy Mix enters that fight as the betting favorite. Uh, you know, the other surprises of that fight card to me, uh, you know, first off, I'll go Jaleel Willis defeating Kyle Crushmere. Um, did not see that one coming. I mean, Jaleel Willis had entered that fight with back-to-back first-round losses. Did not see that one coming. Uh, Chris Lucioni getting the split decision win over Cody Law is another one. Uh, that is surprising as well, Cody Law. And then the other one that you throw out there is uh, Christian Eccles. I want to say, I think when I saw it, he was like a 15-to-1 betting underdog, but then I saw a headline that said he was a 25-to-1 betting underdog going out there and defeating Pat Downey. And, I mean, look, Pat Downey is a major prospect, and, man, that, that is a massive upset there uh, in terms of that one. Of course, that card, uh, the one the one fighter that I was disappointed that we did get to be able to see on this fight card was Lucas Brent, undefeated lightweight. Uh, he was going to be taking on Dre Miley, excuse me, undefeated featherweight. He was going to be taking on Dre Miley. Dre Miley was not cleared by the commission uh, for this one, but Lucas Brent, that is the guy. I know we mean um, Daniel talked about him last uh, last week on the midweek edition of the podcast, but that is uh, you know one guy I was really hoping to see. Of course, also on Saturday was UFC 282, and I will tell you, uh, as of this recording, I've not had a chance to watch it. I'm actually going to uh, sit back and watch this one tonight. I want to see how I scored uh, the main event. Also, how did I score Patty Pimblett and Jared Gordon? I've kind of talked to a couple of people uh, about that one, uh, of how they've scored that matchup, uh, but I did see some of the preliminary card 
Um, I did see my guy Billy Q go out there and do what he did there uh, in the second round. I'm going to try to get Billy here on the show as well. Um, you know, Billy, man, just a, a fun fire to watch. Uh, Chris Curse, another guy, uh, a guy I've had on the podcast many times uh, in the past, going out there and getting a second round win there against Joaquin Buckley. Uh, so uh, looking forward to check out. And uh, I really, want, I really want to watch that Ilya Taporia fight. And uh, I mean, look, I was, I thought that was going to be a, a great spot there for Bryce Mitchell. I had people I even trust who really had said to me that they really questioned why Taporia's management agreed to that matchup. So that's uh, one that I'm looking forward to going back and watching. But I know you're here for the interview, so uh, let's get into those interviews. As uh, Up first, you're going to hear my conversation with Jonathan Pierce as he talks about his win there against Darren Elkins at UFC Orlando. And then you're going to hear my conversation with the founder and CEO of Unified MMA, Sonny Serene. Joining me now is a man who is coming off a victory this past weekend, or by the time you're hearing this, will be uh, uh, just over a week since he got the victory there at UFC Orlando. Jonathan, man, I appreciate the time. You know, I was, uh, I'm going back and watching the fight, and, you know, and one of the things I, I think that it, it made me wonder about your game plan heading into this one and, and what your coaches did was, was a big part of the game plan about making this fight at range and, and not really getting into those, those clinch type affairs where, you know, Darren could try to, you know, try to make this a little bit of a I mean not 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 a dirty fight in a bad way but a dirty fight of you know kind of that phone booth type fight um yeah I was trying to keep my distance and run the up kicks for this fight uh didn't want to wrestle with him I wanted to show more my striking um I knew he would get guys tired or they would fight the first round and try to finish him and then he would come on later and he used more of his wrestling with that. So my whole game plan was like, don't let this guy touch me or grab me. I'm just going to run this front kick all night and jab and stab and try to go straight down the pipe. You know, in, in that third round, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and, and I watched this fight after the fact. And, you know, and, and you know, I see that the stoppage, I was like, hold on. I'm like, okay, I know he won my decision. And then I'm like, they got to be stopping this fight. In that moment, as you're standing there, as, you know, the doctor comes in, is your mindset like this fight's over? Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was going to be over, but uh, between me and Darren, like I knew he wasn't done, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I knew, I knew that, uh. I might still have a fight on my hand, so I just wanted to stay ready in case because it was a big fight. There wasn't that much time left. It was, I wouldn't say it was close, but it was close enough to be close, you know? The, the funniest thing to me about that part is Big Dan walks Darren over to the side of the cage, and he goes, hey, man, I know you're you're a tough son of a bitch, but I got to have the doctor look at you. Yeah, and he goes, this is a, he said, this is a damn fight. <laughs> You know, but I, I mean, obviously the, your corner was going crazy because you lost a advantageous posi position. And I know I was listening to you after the fact that you're like, you know, I, I really, in the moment, I really wasn't thinking that you're kind of wondering like why your coaches are screaming, but like, is that one of those things of like, after a fight's over, you're like, damn it, man, I, I, I might be able to get a fish and who knows, maybe, maybe that's a little bit of extra money in your bank account. Um, yeah. Like after the second round, I got him down and was just pounding on him. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to finish him because I, I had given it all I had. And then I was going into the third, and I was like, well, you know what? We still got five tonight. We can still get five tonight. And uh, I, I tried to sell it a little bit. And uh, at the very end, when I was throwing those elbows and hit the throw on him, I really was just – me and him knew that we were just slinging. You know, that was for the fans. So um, 
I really had a, a good fight and I honorable opponent. Um, it was so much fun. It really was. I know you mentioned, you said, hey, maybe I didn't get the post-fight interview because, uh, you know, you had to find the bucket and uh, choke it on Terrence Blood a little bit, which made you wonder, first time you've, uh, you know, had to uh, get the bucket after a fight's over to, to let some things out of the system? Oh, yeah, it was the first one that's ever happened before. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of grossed me out because, like, I could hold it together for the whole fight, but then as soon as the fight went over, I think it, uh, some of it would have been nerves, you know, like mm-hmm. adrenaline dump and different things. Now, I, I was going through your Instagram, and you had a, a photo post-weigh-in. The caption is just simple. You know I'm ready for some Doritos. So is Doritos like the, the post-weigh-in meal? Like, like you're like, man, I just need some, some something, you know, a little, little cheat meal here? Yeah, I was just feeling like some uh, cool blue ranch, you know. For some reason, it was just what had hit me at the time. And I was like, let's just go get some cool blue ranch. Uh, couldn't find any, but you know what? Uh, is Either way, it was all right. I'm I'm a cool ranch kind of guy, even though that, that salsa verde has been kind of that new flavor I've, I've gotten uh, hooked on. Yeah. Like in terms of like, do you, do you like, once the fight's over, do you have like a, a particular cheat meal or is it just like, ah, I just take whatever we can get. I definitely like to do a Mountain Dew right after the fight. And, uh, I like to have a few beers with the boys, you know, just crowd the crew together and just enjoy it. Soak it all in and calm down. You had another Instagram post where. And this was leading to a fight. It was about two weeks before the fight. And he said, over four years ago, I left everything, my job, my family, and my friends, to seek out something more of myself. I didn't have a UFC contract when I came, and I was going to be damned if I left without one. With that being said, don't miss out on December the 3rd. So like, as you think about where you were as a martial artist four years before, four years ago, before you made the, the trip out west and, and trained there at, at Fight Ready, like, what what's the biggest difference you see in yourself as a martial artist? Um, consistency and uh I just become a better person all the way around. Uh the guys over there fight ready. Like when you're in a big gym, it's pack mentality and if you know with pack mentality they always correct the right behaviors and either you stay or you leave and I we just got something good going on over there right now. Uh I couldn't tell you what's in the water, but something's in it. So, so who's that guy in the gym when you know you need hard rounds, and 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 that that guy just knows how to push the right buttons. Who who are you going towards? Henry Corrales, Henry Corrales, Ramon, uh, but mainly Henry Corrales. Uh, he fights for Bellator. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever seen him fight. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I know Henry. I know Henry well. Um. He's a savage, and uh, he's like a big brother to me. I always looked up to him. Yeah, I, the you know I knew Henry before when he was out out in California, and I knew the whole reason he went to Arizona was because of Eddie Cha. Yep, because because Eddie was his coach in California. And then of course uh, Eddie left California, ha- headed out to out to Arizona, and, and now there. I mean, like I, I, obviously the, the great coaching staff there at, at Fight Ready. Like, as a, is there something that they said to you leading up to this fight that just kind of, it just stuck with you even on fight night? Um, no, I just, that's my mentality. I've always seen this for myself. I just wanted to show it to everybody else. And uh, I just had a great night out there. It was um, hard, really hard to put into words, and I'm still kind of soaking it all in, you know. 
I'm sure that when you've gone back and you've you've looked at that fight, you've said, "Okay, I did this well." But I know as an athlete, you're gonna you're gonna pick and prod of what you think you felt like you didn't do well. Like, is it a balancing act when you go back and watch the fight and say, "Okay, I did this great, but eh, th- this could be this could have been done better." I'm definitely a perfectionist and my my biggest fan, biggest critic. So there's things that we got to work on and before we go back in there. But also, I think I'm. I think I'm enjoying it. You know, this, this fight camp, I just went out there, had a good time. Wasn't trying to put too much stress on myself. It being my third fight this year. I knew Darren Elkins wasn't going to back out. So I just game planned for him and just kind of, you know, if my body was run down, I just didn't go in. I didn't really overkill myself this time. You you mentioned about trying to go in there without stress. Is that just something that like the mental side of this game that, that maybe you, you, you had struggles with? you know, previously and maybe you kind of figured out that balance? Yeah, I think everybody who comes to the UFC is going to struggle a little bit with it um, because we've never fought in front of 17,000 people. And then then when you're fighting like a guy like Lozon or Darren Elkins, you can kind of get in there and then you look across the cage and you're like, oh, I'm fighting uh, damage Darren Elkins right now and like it you know and you freeze up a little bit so I was just trying to stay loose and have fun and just try to showcase as many skills that I have you mentioned five in a row uh you know now you know six fights now in in the UFC like I guess you think about this UFC run like how, how do you describe it um it's everything I could ask for uh I've been working really hard at this since I was like 12 and 13 i started wrestling and i wasn't the best uh i was just the hardest working and now it's just all starting to bloom now i feel like um and uh watch out six straight <laughs> obviously 2022 was, was a, a tremendous year for you go three and oh in, in this we mentioned you, you won five in a row i was like you think about goals for 2023 i mean have, have you even started to think about that or is the mindset of like man the goal right now is just six in a row um, six in a row was due two for next year. And, um, let's, let's get in the top 10, top five. Let's not go crazy with it. Let's just do the slow climb I'm doing right now. And, uh, just try to stay undefeated and fight the best guys I can get. Obviously the, the athlete mentality and you is like, man, screw it, man. Let, let's get in there next week, next month. You know, is, is that kind of like, have you figured that, that, that balancing act of like, okay, it's about being smart with, with, you know, time range when you take a fight, who you take a fight against and, and so on and so forth. Um, my body can definitely do it, but it's all mental. It's a big mental game. And if you're not mentally ready to get punched in the mouth, uh, then you can go in there and lose to somebody that you should have beat. So sometimes it's better to take a little bit of time off, I think, and uh, enjoy it, put on a little bit of weight. I think Patty showed us that, you know. Um, you just go out there, have fun, and not, you know, it's still a job, but it's still a dream. And, you know, you got to treat it both the same way. Are you the type of guy that's right back in the gym, or, or do you truly just yeah, kind of take hard. a couple weeks off? Yeah, uh, the earlier this week I ran on Monday or Tuesday. As soon as I got back in, I ran two miles, and then the next day I ran, and then I did ice bath yesterday. And uh, today I'm just kind of been busy doing interviews, but I'll get something in today, just a little maintenance, 
nothing crazy. I can't really hit anything right now. I'm too banged up to hit or strike or wrestle, but I'll definitely run or like, I got a new book called Never Finished. So I'm going to read the David Goggins book. He shared my post and I'm really about that lifestyle. Yeah. Is reading kind of the, the thing for you that, uh, you know, athletes always talk about there's their things you do to get your mind off the daily grind of, of, of you know, like in your, your aspect, getting ready for a fight is reading just that place where you can go. It just kind of makes you zone out. I think reading is like, uh, another muscle. So you can physically work yourself out, but mentally, how do you work out? You, we can all, Darren's the toughest, but we can't be just the toughest. We got to be the smartest. We got to be the fastest. We got to be the strongest. So, and then having like a little hobby, like I like, I like playing games. I like Pokemon cards. Uh, I like to collect it. And like, in a way I can turn that into like, I just took another gym out. You know, I just took out, uh, fight. Okay. Who, where did he fight out of? American top team. Where's Darren Elkins fight out of? Uh, he's, uh, he does stuff out of it at his home in Indiana. I think he does also some stuff at, um, team alpha male. Yeah. So that's like another gym badge for me, you know, okay. and just kind of knocking them off until I'm to the top. Got to catch them all, you know, just having fun with it. Like, um, I'm going to be a father. I'm going to, I'm growing up. So I'm going to know if there's going to be a boy or girl, here in a few weeks and that's big news for me and uh you know just taking it all in had a really busy year so are y'all gonna do the gender reveal to the family uh yeah we're gonna go to my parents um do the gender reveal there and then for christmas i'm gonna go spend it with her family so okay that that just leads me a question like are you punching a balloon you kicking a balloon to to kind of reveal this or are we doing a a more traditional way I'm going to let her do it. I'm going to let her have the fun this time. Uh, she's come to all my fights and, you know, came to London and been there. And uh, she supported me tremendous. This is her, this is her win, you know. So I'm going to let her enjoy it and take take all the glory. So as she started to have the conversation of, okay, this is my due date. You can't be taking fights around this time. Yeah. Yeah, we've already discussed that. Um, if I do fight, it would be like in Arizona you know, mm -hmm. or Vegas. So it's not that far away. Uh, and we're going to take a little break right now because this last year I've been in camp all year long and, uh, like running 12 or 14 week camps and we got to go to Hawaii, but it's hard when you are that active to go to the beach and just calm down and wind yeah. down. So is that a big reason why you said a little earlier the mindset is only two fights in 2023? Yeah. Well, we're not just fighting regular guys anymore. We're fighting top 10. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. you know, it could be Edson Barbosa. It could be Sadiq Yusuf. It could be a top 10 guy, Bryce Mitchell, you know. So, like, those guys can hurt you if you're not uh, prepared. Yeah, I mean, as we, we're sitting here, it's, you know, UFC 282 is on Saturday and, and Bryce Mitchell and, and Ilya Tapora are fighting. Is that one of those things of Saturday night when, you, you know, there's guys fighting your division? It's like, okay, I got to be in front of the television set because you're almost kind of self-scouting already. Yeah, uh, the beers don't start till after those fights. So. <laughs> 
I get you. I get you. Yeah, like I'm taking notes and I'm downloading and uh, seeing what I can beat them to the punch for. Like they only got a certain amount of time to get better at that until we fight. So I'm going to try to sharpen up and get better as I can. So when we meet, you know, Uh, so, yeah, I'll download. I do. I do it all. I, 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 the, the no beers until we watch this. I, I get that feeling. I know what you mean in terms of that, man. But uh, JSP, man, as always, I uh, appreciate time. Uh, congratulations on the victory course. Uh, let me know that you find on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Um, I'm JSP MMA on all platforms. Go follow me. I want to give a huge shout out to Eddie Cha and Santino. Those are my two coaches. And uh, Fight Ready. And um, everyone who came to my fight, I had 50 to 60 people come to my fight. And I'm shout out to everybody, you know, that's huge support. And the S stands for six straight. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man who runs unified MMA. Sonny, uh, appreciate the time. You know, uh, one of the things about kind of what's been going on with, with unified is obviously you've had the fight past deal, very busy month of December. First off for you guys, but one of the things that really stuck out to me was, you're, we're seeing, I mean, obviously with the border being o- open up post-COVID, we're seeing more American fighters coming up to up to Canada. Was that kind of a, a big thing for you to kind of incorporate more international um, you know, fighters into your promotions outside the Canadians? It was a game plan kind of right away, but there were some challenges with having to be vaccinated, getting on planes and stuff like that. So combat sports and, and fighters kind of have a stigma. A lot of the guys aren't vaccinated. So it was a challenge mm-hmm. for us to bring guys in from outside the country uh, when those kinds of things got eliminated it was a lot easier for us to bring these guys in and, and our matchmaking like what we were able to do now has now we can bring in americans and europeans prior to that we were just focusing on canadians which is great as well but it's allowed us to bring in different types of talent that's needed for sure you know uh, i was listening to the interview you did with john morgan and, and the one thing that really stuck out to me as someone who's paid attention to the regional scene you know kind of the, the always the thought with regional scene was Hey, you got to find the, those guys that can move tickets, you know, who are going to put butts in the seats. And it was interesting because you said like, Hey, when we started this back in 2009, that was the mentality. We got to, we got to find the, these core group of fighters that have the ability to put butts in seats. But you talked about how that's evolved though, over time has happened. When did you see that change happen for unified? A few years ago, man, like you can't just expect fighters to, there's such a thing where promoters are always just focusing on their on their athletes to sell tickets and to fill in the room. And then it's challenging. The guys, these guys need to train at their best. And if their focus is just trying to fill in the room on the on the promoter's aspect, it's not going to work. I think the the direction is you need to have a team. And we got a really strong police, uh, strong team in place at Unified MMA. And it's our job to fill in that room and bring in sponsors. Uh, the more money we bring in, the higher these fighters get made, paid. And, and I think that's a direction that we wanted to take because these guys aren't going to get paid if they're making – minimal amounts of money and obviously i understand fighter pay is a little bit low but the more money they're making uh, the more time they can dedicate to training and, and the higher level of fights they can take and i think that's the direction that we want to take for sure you know i mentioned about this has been a busy month for you you had the show last week you got the show coming up back to back nights of shows uh coming up here in, in toronto and edmonton uh kind of what was your thoughts on last week's show what, what stuck out to you well, Calgary's a market we've always wanted to be in, so uh, be, be with for sure. Uh, there's a lot of good talent there. Uh, we had Justin Bass from Jed Hamill, uh, Faber Cell. We had Ali Charkey. Tom O'Connor looked incredible. He had a tough first round. He came and he kind of evolved through as the fight was going on. But it's just the fight fans, they're they're so involved and they're so energetic. And, and we're lucky to be there and to create a lot of these new level of athletes on the Canadian market and, and kind of be in a place that has 
such a long history of combat sports or wrestling or like the Bret Hart's and all those kinds of guys originated there. So us to kind of evolve into that next wave of, uh, of sport or however you want to look at it to engage with those fans and to create something new. It's exciting to be involved with. One of the things I've always loved about your promotion is, you know, it was a couple of years ago that the Associated Boxing Commission Combat Sports, they started to introduce more weight classes to mixed martial arts, you know, 165, one, you know, 175, 195, and 225 was even introduced. And you you were like one of the one promotions that really said, you know what, we're going in on this. Of course, you got a 165-pound title fight coming up here on the, on the Toronto card. Was that as much of you as a promoter saying, you know what, man, I, I know there's guys that, that extra 10 pounds, they don't have to cut that. They'll just, you know, they'll want to, you know, fight in that division. For sure, man. These guys are at, before you got guys at 155. When a guy fights at 55, they're weighing anywhere between 170 to 195, depending on what their coach wants them to do or what they think they can lose. And while they, they could lose it, they almost look defeated at the weigh-ins. And it, it's hard for us as promotions to see that as well and expect them to perform at their best when that's happening there. I think the, direction that we wanted to take was we found a lot of challenges with guys making weight and um, a main focus when we were booking these fights is then making weight which is all I understand that's every obstacle every fighter has to make the nutritional factor that has to go into it but if a guy's fighting at 55 and he's cutting 25 pounds in the matter of eight weeks nine weeks I think for us um, especially on our regional level or however we look at it maybe we're trying to even work on our way onto a national level for combat sports they need to be paid a lot more to make more money to hire nutritionists and stuff like that so while we want to be there, we're not there yet. And I think the direction is it's, it's healthier for fighters. It's safer for the promotion and it, and it gives better fights and entertaining fights to the fans. You know, when I think of some of the fighters that, you know, kind of a face for your organization, Shane Campbell it is one that, that sticks out to me. He's fighting for the 165 pound tile here against Dennis Smith here at unified 48. Uh, and Shane, I mean, I, I think everyone knows who Shane is. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Darren Smith, his opponent here. He's a hard-hitting guy. He went into the fourth round of Chris Curtis. We all know Chris Curtis. He's kind of making his ways in the, in the UFC right now, and he's doing quite well. I think uh, stylistically, I think that's a fight that fan, fight fans are going to love. Uh, we had Alex White initially. Alex White is no stranger to what – we all know what his game plan would have been. It would have been taking him to the ground, and Shane's, Shane's comfortable there, and it would have been a great fight for the fans and a great fight for both athletes to see where they're at. But I think Darren Smith – and Shane Campbell is a fight that's going to be on the feet. It's going to be entertaining for the fans. And, it, and it's the highest level, man, outside the UFC. When you look at, at what these guys are looking at, Shane Campbell and Darren Smith is a UFC-level fighter, something that can be on Bellator, one of the top four promotions in the world. And I think the fight fans in Ontario are lucky to have it as their main event. And we're incredibly excited because styles match fights, man. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the direction that we wanted to take. And I think um, we're, we're lucky that Darren took this fight on short notice. He took it on three weeks' notice, so it'll be good. Uh, when when Ed sent me over to fight card, the one name that stuck out to me was was Pat Pitlick. I, I've I've talked to Pat in, in the past, uh, you know, obviously. But he, he mentioned about there's some other you know local guys on this card, Scott Hudson, you know, from the from the Providence there. Uh, what 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 are some other fighters on the card that uh, you believe fans need to be tuned into for UFC Fight Pass for? Um, Pat Pitlick for sure. Michael Hill. That's a kind of that new wave. Pat has got a very flashy record. He's seven and one. He's got an obstacle with his last fight. He lost. Um, mm -hmm. Michael Hill is 11 and seven, but you look at the competition that he's competed and he's been around the fight game for a while. That is a coin flip of a fight. And I'm super excited to see what the response is on that one. Um, Pat's kind of always fought in Alberta. I think he kind of lives not too far from the venue that we're at right now in Mississauga. And, uh, he's going to have family and friends there. And I think, we're just looking forward to see where both guys are at right now. Uh, we got Vlad. He's fighting uh, Jesse Stern at 145. That's a high-level fight. 
We got Matt Special. We got Scott Hudson for the first time, who's another top lightweight. We got Alex Tweedy. There's unlimited names on this fight card. Like the opening fight on this card right now, I think, is on the fight pass portion is uh is Gabe Sagman, I believe. And I'm not even sure. I gotta check with Rob what's the opening fight on the card, but it's just mm-hmm. from top to bottom, our fight pass portion is loaded. And I can't wait to see uh see the card. You know, and of course, the next night you got uh, the light heavyweight title online, Graham Park, being challenged by Ty Flores. You know, when I talked to Ty Flores, it was uh, kind of interesting to me because to me, he kind of paid out like, hey, I, I don't know if Graham ha- has seen the type of fire that's coming to him here uh, at Unified 49. What was about this matchup that intrigued you? It's just that the, the a lot of guys, they look at uh, the competition guys have faced. And I'm, I'm guessing Ty Flores has competed against a lot of international guys. I think he's been on the like, contender series. So yes. His competition level has been high. Graham's competed against some tough guys too, man. So he's got he's got some experience behind him. He trains with an impeccable group of guys at Shea Bears. I think uh, stylistically this fight matches well. Um, Experience-wise, I'll give that to Ty. But I think um, mm-hmm. it's still another fight that's coin flip. And they both got a tough match night ahead of them. Five rounds, anything can happen, man. Especially at that level of competition. And way into, when they're walking in the cage, they're going to be a lot heavier than 205. So anything can happen. <laughs> you know, as I look at this fight card, the one thing that really sticks out to me, you got a lot of young guys on this on this card here, on the Saturday card. Um, you know, so is, is there someone that, you know, may, maybe has been, you know, that, that, that manager has talked you up that you're like, okay, I want to see what this kid's got. Harley King and Devin, that's a fight that stands out to me a lot. Uh, you got Tim Smith fighting Nick Herbick. Nick Herbick's still in his 20s, so I think uh, that's kind of like that old gate, that old grinder. We got Tim Smith, ex-champion, fighting Nick Herbick. He's kind of on that wave. He's coming off a knockout win. I think that's going to be an exciting response. Shannon Clark is fighting Joe. It's our first female fight that we've ever had since we've launched Unified on Fight Pass. So we're looking forward to that one. Devin, uh, Devin Lojas and, uh, and Harley King is another one. Sterling Machete's fighting. So there's a lot of up-and-coming, a lot of future unified guys on that card, and we're excited to see where they land as well. Is there a goal in 2023 to, to you know incorporate more female matchups into your fight cards? 100%. We get that request constantly. Like, where, why aren't we seeing more of these female fights? Mm-hmm. Uh, these female fights? And it's hard. Like, there's there's kind of a limited talent pool that you can kind of focus on. But we, we are going to try to focus on bringing them in, and, and Rob's kind of dedicated to doing that in 2023. And we, we're getting so we're trying to sign as many girls as we can from across the country and bring what we have in for competition and see where they land. Yeah, I think if anybody knows the Canadian MMA scene, they'll, they'll know Rob's name. Rob has been been in this game for a long time. What what are some of the goals for for your promotion uh, coming up here in the next twelve months? Make a national run. Uh, focus on Alberta and Ontario. We have some other places that we really want to get into. Um, just keep building talent sending as many guys as we can to these bigger promotions as we can. That's what we do. And that's the focus. Like there's no, there's no secondary guess to what we're trying to do. We're trying to put on the biggest fights cards in the country. We're trying to put on the best production. We're trying to build fan base and we're trying, that's the direction that we've taken. And it's, uh, I don't know what exactly what we're doing with our team. Like we've got Rob Beavers, we've got Ed Cap, everything that we're trying to put together right now is just to amplify what we've already been doing for the last 12 years. And I think uh, what you're going to see in 2023 is just, just creating more and more footprint on where we want to direct ourselves in the Canadian market. And whether that's Ontario or Alberta or even BC or Saskatchewan, wherever we go, I think that's the direction that we want to go. Yeah. You know, I talked to, to Justin Basroff leading up to his matchup. I think he kind of, his mentality was, I think this is a fight that gets me to the UFC. And it kind of seemed like, as I talked to more of your guys, they're all sitting there going, UFC's got to come back here at some point. And they're, 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 you, it, it feels like, from my aspect, that they're looking at Unified as this is the best way for a Canadian fighter to get into the UFC. 
for competition wise, yeah, we're their promotion that's flying guys in uh, to make these guys compete at the highest level. So if they win their fights, they're ready. We're not just handpicking these opponents where they're they're looking for guys so they can get there. And we want to get guys to the UFC and keep them there, or just see guys go to the UFC from our promotion and stay there and do well rather than just having them. Because obviously, there's no secret. A lot of guys just look for handpick opponents, and when they fight a guy that's actually at a similar level, it's, it's difficult for them. And that's not what we want to do. We want to see these guys compete at the highest level. And when they get to the UFC, like there's no easy fights there, man. Like you got to be ready. You have to yeah. be prepared and you need to know what you're doing. And I think that's, uh, especially as you get, man, the years and years go on, you see a lot of these older guys, TJ Dillashaws and all these guys, they're competing against these guys in their mid twenties and, and it's a rough go because that new wave of fighter is here and it's, and it's a difficult task for anybody. Yeah, I mean, like literally right before I had you here on the show, I was talking to Jonathan Pierce, and he's like, man, I graduated high school. I'm watching Darren Elkins fight. Now I'm in the cage with him. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, when, when, especially when I start. So, I mean, I'm 41 years old, and when I hear someone say, hey, this this fighter was born in the year 2000, I'm like, holy crap, man. I graduated high school in 2000. I'm with you, man. Like the, <laughs> the, the I remember the first fight I watched was Roy McDonald uh, fought, I think, Nick, Nick Hinchcliffe. That was the first live fight I ever went to. And now these guys are retiring, and you got this new wave of athletes, the Patties, and, and these guys. I think they have a 19-year-old in the UFC. I forgot his name, but he's competing this weekend. And I think 18, that's what 18, gonna... just he just turned 18 in October. And that's it, man. Like, and you're, we're seeing that right now, and everybody's mm-hmm. focused on it. But what do you think we're going to see over the next five years? They're going to be littered with that. That's what the direction is of the combat sports in any sport. It's getting bigger yeah. and bigger. And if you look in Alberta, if you look in Ontario, you can kind of get a direction of where the sport is heading based on every corner you look at. There's an MMA gym. There's a there's a kickboxing gym. So these guys are training, and the guys that advance and that compete incredibly well in those gyms is going to want to compete not professionally, or they're going to want to compete on an amateur level. And the direction that they go is usually ends up in a cage. And if they do well there on a regional scene, that's where they hit into these into these national market or the international markets, obviously like the UFC, and we see how they do there. What was your introduction to MMA? For me, it was my brother bringing home UFC one on a VHF from Blockbuster. Like, do you remember kind of your your first time, you know, figuring out what MMA was? Just a kid, man. It wasn't around that much. Remember when you had to get that that uh, that movie on the wall at Blockbuster, and that's <laughs> yeah. how you watched it. You know, and everybody obviously uh, backtracked twenty years. Combat sports was as barbaric as people can. Like even sometimes now, people don't understand what a unified or MMA is. They think it's a barbaric sport, but mm-hmm. it's governed by the city or different commissions. Whether in our in our case, the province. And I think that the advancement as you see combat sports, people are getting more and more used to it. But backtracking, how I got involved into it, I just I just tuned in as a fan. And I think at twenty three or twenty four, I was like, you want to know what? I think I can I can put on a show. And uh, with Tim Hag, we tried to do a show and. Our first show, not very many people came, but we just kept working at it and kept, nipping, uh, kept at it, and now we're putting on the biggest shows in the country. And, of course, everyone can watch Unified MMA live on UFC Fight Pass. we got the event coming up here on December the 16th in Toronto, December 17th in Edmonton, Sunny, uh, Appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let everyone know where they can find all the information on Unified MMA. Yeah, for sure, man. They could just follow us all everything on unifiedmma.ca. And, yeah, we're looking forward to next week. It's our first back-to-back, back-to-back yet in the last 12, 13 years. So, It'll be an experience, and I hope everybody tunes in. And there you have my conversations with JSP, Jonathan Pierce, and Sonny Serena. Appreciate both those men coming on this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, Darren talking about uh, his win there at UFC Orlando, and then, of course, Sonny 
previewing this week's Unified MMA 48 and Unified MMA 49. You can check out both of those uh, Unified cards. That'll be over at UFC Fight Pass if you want to watch those fight cards uh, live this weekend. If you're looking forward to something to do, of course, we do have a UFC event coming up on Saturday, as that's a UFC Vegas 66. going to be headlined by Jared Cannier and Sean Strickland. Uh, also, you know, Julian Russo is a guest on the podcast. He'll be taking on Alex Asarius, uh, Isma Gulov, and Sarukian. That's a great matchup in the lightweight division there. Uh, other fights that uh, stick out to me, how about Drew Dober and Bobby Green? That, that's one of those fights where... I just feel like that has fan-friendly fight written all over. Maybe it would be interesting to see does Drew Dober try to utilize a little bit of wrestling in that one. Of course, I mentioned about Julian Marquez earlier on in the show. He takes on Duran uh, Wynn. Saeed Yoku was also on this card, taking on uh, Saeed Nurmaga Madoff. And uh, for people who did not see that, that tweet that uh, Saeed Yoku had uh, about a week ago about uh, the whole betting scandal. Um, if you know why that is a funny, a or I shouldn't say funny tweet, a very interesting tweet. I think you can uh, kind of figure that one out here. I will tell you this. When I was looking at this fight card earlier today, there was one thing that really surprised me about the fight card lineup is why is Manel Cop and David Dorvorak the second fight of the night? I was like, it was one of those things that I looked at, I was like, hold on, like, no cops won like two in a row. And so I go, I go over to Tapology and I'm like, yeah, he has. I, that is to me was very surprising to see how low that is on the fight card. I would have thought that would be a main card matchup, but uh, it is not. That was a, a little bit surprising. So, uh, of course, uh, later on this week, um, myself and Daniel will break this one down for you. Of course, uh, on Friday, um, me and my guy Pete Rogers Jr. will break it down over at Fight HQ. And then, of course, on Saturday, it will be uh, I'll be over on Stochastic for Live Before Lock. We'll tell you on um, Saturday night, I've got an ugly Christmas sweater party, which basically means I need to go buy one. So if you got any suggestions, I was looking about a week ago. I found some good ones. Um, you know, there, there were some ones that I thought were definitely not kid appropriate. And I think there might be some kids at the party. So I was like, oh, I probably should go that route. But maybe if you got a website out there, that is a good, ugly Christmas sweater where, um, you know, I can get it by Friday because the party is on Saturday. So if you can, you can send that my way, I really would appreciate that. Of course, uh, the next episode of podcast, look for that, uh, on, uh, late Wednesday evening is myself and Daniel Gavon. We're going uh, to talk about everything that happened at UFC 282 Bellator 282. 89 and of course uh this weekend's ufc vegas and you know i'm gonna be going on the mma red just to see what uh what might be over on the mma reddit channel because uh you know, look it's it's a place where i do go and try to get some content over there so but of course i as appreciate uh, you always uh coming in and checking out this edition of the podcast huge thanks to jonathan pierce and sunny serene coming on this edition of the podcast and next episode comes out on Wednesday. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether you listen to audio platforms or over on YouTube. Just simply search the MMA Report. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode. And I'll be back on Wednesday for the next episode of the MMA Report Podcast.